Good morning, afternoon, or evening. I'm your very unemployed growth marketing host, Lee Moskowitz. Meet Jackie Leahy, the spellbinding force behind B2B SaaS success for startups everywhere. With over nine years of experience conjuring magic in the tech startup world, she's not your average advisor. As a fractional RevOps advisor and the founder of Activate the Magic, her RevOps consulting firm, she specializes in helping seed to Series C B2B SaaS companies optimize their revenue operations and go-to-market strategies. But Jackie doesn't stop at traditional business solutions. She's a transformational wizard changing the way we interact and work together. From creating sustainable practices to infusing joy into every step, she weaves powerful outcomes that stand the test of time. Step into the enchanting world of tech stacks and tech startups and discover the secrets to her magical touch on this episode of Lee 2B, the sassiest podcast for B2B. Hey, Jackie. Hey, Lee. I, I'm so going to need a moment just to recover from that beautiful intro. Thank you. Thank you. I try the, the intro is like the most formal thing I do. Like it just goes down from here. Like that's what I write, and then everything else we kind of just we just riff. Obsessed. So that's a form. No I notes. like to start formal before it goes to debauchery. Yeah. So before before I go into any of the the really smart stuff, I, I want to just start. Okay, let's talk a little magic and pop culture. If you had to choose between Gandalf or Dumbledore, who would you choose? Um. One Direction. I think it. What is that like? Lord of the Rings. I'm not a. Ooh, you're not a Lord of the Rings person or a Harry no. Potter person. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So what magic mm-mm. do you? What, what what do you? What magical pop culture do you enjoy? Let's see. Hocus Pocus. Classic. The second one was Classic. abysmal. Did you see the second Hocus Pocus? I did not. No. It's no. Abysmal. I think I, it's like really I bad. I think Reddit warned me, so I didn't. But like Hocus Pocus, so good. Oh my gosh. There's um. What is that like? Moonlight or something? It's like an older movie. Moonlight was the Oscar winning gay love story no not moonlight uh moonstruck moonstruck Moonstruck. there we go okay so good i married a what witch about, like are you are you are you like a king arthur like merlin person or Mm-mm. no mm-hmm. okay no i know i i baffle people right because i absolutely love like hitchhiker's guide oh, i love yes. like hunger games yes. i love like dystopian future i love i love like twilight zone but I cannot, like, I don't know what it would take for me to sit through a Harry Potter movie. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, what yeah. about what about Black Mirror? Do you do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obsessed. Yeah. That that's a, So not all of them are great, obviously. But when they're good, they're right. good. They go hard. Yeah. All right. All right so now we'll get into <laughs> some real stuff. So... You're, I always, I mean, I wanted to, I thought you were going to be like hardcore, like opinionated on, on Lord of the Rings or, or, yeah, I'm surprised, I but know. no, I understand, Hitchhiker makes total sense for you. That's, that's totally your vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I uh-huh. like, I, like, I think that's my Roman empire. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing at some point. I was about to say the Roman empire. Cause I, I mean, I don't think about it often. But I'm not a straight, so yeah, yeah, exactly. What what would be your uh, Roman Empire then? Like, if mine's Hitchhiker's Guide, and it is, I'm not used to being asked the hard questions here. I usually ask the hard questions. I don't think I have a Roman Empire. I don't mm. think I, I just don't. I don't think I have have that. I have too many things I like, but I, I don't have a Roman Empire that I just randomly think of and know too many facts about people might disagree like it might be better to ask people i just like most right. years pop culture knowledge so right right yeah yeah 
Yeah. And marketing, like, of course. Yeah. I feel like the JonBenet Ramsey thing is a lot, is a canon Roman empire for non Roman empire having people. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the Murdoch trials, too. Mm hmm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, what is it, Ohio, the college, apparently the roommates were texting during the attack. Ooh, were they? Okay. Yeah, the dad always is like- the true crime stuff, yeah. Yeah, the dad is like releasing stuff from the grand jury, and even though he's told not to, and he's like putting everything at risk. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> so I promise it's not a pop, I promise this is not a pop culture <laughs> podcast, but we're, we're definitely going to talk some of that. Mm -hmm. So- you have a, a great journey. I always like to say the word journey, but that really does describe you. You went from teacher, banker, tech startup professional to, to now founder and advisor to many. So mm. could you share, and we don't need to go that back far, but what led you to start your own consulting firm? And then what magic do you bring to the table for, for some SaaS companies? Mm. Yeah, I've always been super passionate about how people think and work together and solve problems and communicate how people make decisions. I think that's been at the heart of all of my career stops <laughs> along my journey. And ultimately, you know, I believe that we're here to win. Like humans are here to win. And winning for me is powerful experience times extraordinary results. And having one without the other isn't winning, right? So if you crush all your goals, but you leave a path of like dead bodies in your wake, that's that's not winning. Mm -hmm. um, however, if it's like, I've got all the best friends <laughs> and fun times, but like water is wet, rocks are hard, results aren't there, that's also not winning. So. I'm creating a company that is about winning, right? I get to have fun, sprinkle joy, build fun things with like the best people ever. Clients love just like blowing their socks off. <laughs> love it. And for the magicians who I get to work with, making sure that they're winning in their personal lives and their careers. And yeah, everybody gets to win in powerful, joyful, sustainable ways. Now, where did the name Activate the Magic come from? Because clearly you're not a, a, a magic follower. Well, I am a witch. I do have... Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I cast Oh, spells. that's why you don't... You should have started with that. That's why... Then I'm going to have... Oh, okay. First of all, if I knew this, I would have a lot more <laughs> questions about that. But so that's why you don't watch Harry Potter. I get that now. Oh, um, okay. Um, I have not linked those two things together before. Okay. But I absolutely... Yeah, I'm, I'm a little so, bit witchy. So you have like the candles and the carving knives and, and the spell books? I have books. two cauldrons. That... <laughs> nice. Okay. What what are some common like ingredients that go, go into or is that not mm. what you do? Like I know it's oh, like Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. Pears. I'm an ingredient. So what are... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love ingredients and I love to write like a little like poem or a little like incantation with it. So like here's a little love spell. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I did. I put in a little little container. Um, I love mint. Mint is like classic for me. Um, a lot of refreshing, a lot of revitalization, sage, get to clean things out. Also love like, I also love playing with like colors and what they represent. 
too. So mm-hmm. I have like little papers. Does that um, mean like, is there different energy behind colors? Is that, is that kind of what you mean? Or what do you mean by like Yeah, that? like the, the like Jungian core human canon meanings that we put the things. Yeah, I love like that okay. symbolism. I'm definitely not like a student of symbolism and in, in, in all that. Um, but I just find it fascinating and inspirational. <laughs> so people have a lot of misconceptions when like they hear like, oh, like I'm a little witchy or I, I cast spells or something. Let, let's knock down some of those myths, perceptions, like just <laughs> if you want, like let's just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So everybody's casting spells all the time. It's, well, maybe not all the time, but <laughs> it's any action plus intention. So turning your light switch off at night can be a spell. Intention plus action, right? So um, it's just how much flair you want to put put behind it. <laughs> okay. So you, you talk about your your own cauldron. But you mm-hmm. do have a, you recently rebranded the series, but you do have a series, The Cauldron, which yeah. one, I think it's it's different from a lot of other advisors I see, because you're literally giving like free knowledge, I, I like mm-hmm. to say it, but like you're really supporting the community there. So tell us about The, the Cauldron. I've always been like aggressively helpful, <laughs> which is great, right? People w- thought that I was not so for respond like I would respond to MSP questions like years ago with like <laughs> like Tumblr master post degree of like <laughs> rigor <laughs> and helpfulness. Um and people are like you're crazy. But it helped me really build this reputation and network of people who love to have fun with very nerdy specific things. Right. So it's like the more I participated in the digital tribe right the the more reward i got out of it um and so yeah and turns out being aggressively helpful and social butterfly for the better part of a decade really helps when you launch your own business Mm -hmm. um so yeah and it's really keeping that tradition um so in whiz ops we have we call it the best friends club and like friday afternoons we've been hopping on an informal zoom happy hour for years right and like these are truly some of the best friends i have like irl um and it's so fun when we finally get to like actually meet in person um Mm -hmm. it's so so fun and so yeah wanting to really create that for um like pavilion used to be really great for this um it's kind of a little bit of a ghost town now but yeah like creating like an informal nothing to prove come as you are connect and let's really support each other so it's for go-to-market leaders and operators who don't have their if i run to a snag on salesforce i literally have hundreds of people that i can just slack <laughs> but most people don't have that like in, yeah i would have like died to have this community when i was a first-time bdr manager yeah, yeah creating so- what i would have died to actually have access to like five or six years ago. So uh, speaking of five or six years ago, I mm. saw you had a post recently where you gave advice to yourself mm. from five years ago. Yeah. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but it was something to the effect of you can't change toxic environments. They're going to change you. 
yeah I'm paraphrasing but yeah that, that is and i think that's so true uh and i think that's also great advice for kind of the aggressively helpful people who mm-hmm. who sometimes have trouble for that like they get passionate mm-hmm. they feel loyal talk to us just a little bit about that oh boy so when i when i take a, a clear look a responsible look at my life and how I keep on creating the same dynamic again and again and again and again, right? It's like, oh, wow, like this is super coincidental or it's actually me creating this again and again and again, right? So, and the pattern for me was really wanting to change the thing. Um, being, Being the, like if you've read the first 90 days by Michael Watkins, like the turnaround, I addicted to the turnaround, even like when I was a teacher, right? Like you can't, like that student isn't working in your classroom, given to me, like, give me your ridiculous, I will turn this around. And in the end, there's no like special place in the rewards for those of us who do that. And so, and it's not selfless what we do, right? Like I am getting a reward, right? So I get to feel powerful. I get to be right. I get to, you know, yeah, feel important, significance again and again, again. Um, And so I found myself sort of going down swinging (laughs) again and again and again, like, and a couple times, like someone else, (laughs) like took me aside and was like, Jackie, like I was, um, at the startup institute it's no longer a thing and like i if someone doesn't like me i just endeavor to prove that i'm worthy of them liking me and it's like and he pulled me aside and he's like sometimes there's nothing for you to do and that blew my mind mm-hmm. um and then looking back at the the neck the kind of the jobs that i had next it's like i wanted to shift something and you know, a, a executive at the company believed in me, but at the end of the day, they weren't standing for that shift in the context. And so I'm standing for this shift in the context, but context is like a climate. I'm, I'm like, someone gave me this distinction like last weekend and it's messing with me. A context is like a climate. So think of climates like desert, jungle, and in a client, climate, in a climate, certain things thrive. Right. So if it's a desert, sand, lizards, camels, cactus. But if you put a whale in the desert, it's not gonna it's not gonna last a second, right? Well, and we're getting back to the hitchhiker's guy now with whales. Like the fallen See? whale. There we go. See? See? Mm-hmm. See? <laughs> um and it's like This is what I do. I, I interrupt smart statements with with uh, non sequiturs. Sorry, go this ahead. This is what we do. You're helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that whale isn't going to make like if every that whale's not going to turn a desert into an ocean mm-hmm. where other <laughs> ocean creatures can thrive not gonna yeah not gonna yeah that i haven't heard that analogy before and i love that i'm going to start using that yeah take it i i stole it so you can take it uh, okay cool <laughs> so but really I, like thinking about that and so yeah yeah, and then at another job, like the the VP of finance like pulled me aside. He's like, How do you think this is gonna end? <laughs> He's like, You're right. 
everyone knows it. And how do you think this is going to end? He's like, you don't give up, which is great. But sometimes like <laughs> read the read, read the writing that's on the wall. Yeah. Like, what what am I pretending not to act, actually know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get into some RevOps details and things. Mm -hmm. Before we even go go into there, you are mm -hmm. a fractional advisor. Mm -hmm. Could you explain to our listeners what, what that means? Yeah. So fractional being like I – when you bring us on, we are making space in our hearts <laughs> and souls for you. Right? You don't buy a block of hours. You buy a timeshare. <laughs> mm -hmm. um and really it's it's an approach of oh, that, don't like, call yourself a timeshare you no 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 call yourself like something else. yeah well there's no we'll such thing as a good timeshare yeah actually let me know if you have a timeshare and you're listening to this and you love it let me know yeah yeah like maybe maybe we're just maybe timeshares just have bad pr i don't know I've also never been offered a timeshare. I feel like I feel like it's kind of like when you're a kid, you get told you're going to be offered drugs all the time. Yeah. And then it doesn't happen. Like everyone's been telling me you're going to be offered timeshares all the time and like I haven't I haven't been in that situation. Anyway, well, one dr drugs are expensive. Two, yeah. I feel like there's just been such like in pop culture about like timeshares and the sleazy car yeah. salesman that like they're now they're now more deceptive than that. They're not just like mm. the obvious timeshare thing. <laughs> but that's so that's fractional. Um, what fra I've seen like, just fractional advisors more and more these days. I think yeah. a lot of people are going that route. I think a lot of people might want to. Yeah. How do how do I do that? How how does one shift into that mindset and then just start becoming a fractional yes. exec? Yes, big proponent. I'm a huge proponent of fractional work. Um, it's a bit of a hybrid between like consultant and in-house, right? It's like I'm going to treat you like I am in-house with you, right? I'm embedded. I'm in your Slack. I'm all up in your business. <laughs> like I, I care sort of thing. Um, and it's mostly because in I think fractional work is really great for people who have reached sort of excellence in profession, like excellence in an area. And I would call myself excellent when it comes to RevOps specifically for startups, C to Series A. Like me personally, excellence. Um, Can confirm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but in order, but I, in that excellence, I've been priced out of the job that I want. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. and, and I'm too much. I'm like a power drill for like, you, you really just need a Swiss army knife here. Yeah. So I'm too expensive and, and too much for the job that I actually want. And so instead of, being just one place, so why don't I basically fill me with five? So I'm fractionally belonging to these five companies. And it's really good for, for humans who have, yeah, reached that sort of excellence where they price themselves out of their own market rate. <laughs> 
Um, and it's also really great for, for those of us who are just like voraciously curious, um, get bored, like builders, not maintainers. If you're like me and you you hear about chaos and you just start like, yes, let, like, let, let me add it. I'm drawn to chaos and like figuring things out, the turnaround, right? How can I use my obsession for the turnaround in a way that actually supports me and my goals? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are, I guess, what are some of the, the things that you're like, I'm fractional, so I don't have to deal with this bullshit anymore. And like, it's a real pro for you. And then what mm. would you say, I guess, maybe not a con per se, but just something that if somebody is considering it, like they should know this. Yeah. Well, let me start with the con. Like as an advisor, right, I can, I can tell you all the things and give you my recommendation and like strongly push back. But at the end of the day, I don't own it. It's not mine. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then they they do the thing against your will, and then three months later, they're like, "Oh no, can you fix this?" It's like, I can, but didn't I tell you this? <laughs> oh, if isn't if it isn't the consequences, right? <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but the but the pro, I think, for me personally, I just get so wrapped up in my personal worth being in the hands of the people I work with, um, and so that like politics and I I feel like I'm not playing the same game as everyone else sometimes I'm one to be some like I'm not neurotypical type things and so I read things as differently or yeah. I might like oh I have this idea and I think I'm sharing a brilliant idea which I am but the CMO sees me as like out for their job so I'm really, I'm really delighted to leave that behind. Yeah. That like internal politics thing. I mean, I think what you're saying here too, though, is like one, there is, you know, it's not, you can just, you can't just become fractional. Like a lot of people, and I shouldn't say this, but I think where some people fail is they just go right out consultant and might not have some of that experience to, to really be that full on consultant. They haven't seen too many scenarios yet. Whereas well, when yeah, go ahead. And in that case, it's just a different strategy, right? In that case, solve problems. Everyone can solve problems. Like I'm a huge fan of Alex Hormozy. He talks about this a lot. Like just solve rich people's problems. If I can figure out your SEO strategy or li- figure out LinkedIn ads, and I can do it for not a lot of money, but start getting those results, start getting those referrals. And just you'd be so you'd be amazed with how how far you can get in like eighteen months of delayed gratification. And I think that's mm-hmm. a huge thing. I'm just gonna go on a, a tirade. It's like you're either learning or earning, right? And if I'm using this as a learning experience, I'm not going to charge you for every minute that I'm doing it, right? Yeah. And then yeah. once once I have, I can do it in my sleep and get other people to do it. Then I can really charge for the value value you said a really important phrase though which was delayed gratification Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. everybody today wants instant gratification whether it's the what you're selling to them whether it's it's the win they have whether it's feedback whether it's a scratchy lottery ticket Mm -hmm. how do you get the patience or train yourself for delayed gratification I like to look at it like a gumball machine. I think I got this from um, you have Jeb the Blount. best analogies. 
You really do. Like, thank you, yeah. me. <laughs> mm-hmm. My favorite was like uh-huh. the chocolate teapot one. I forgot what it was about, but it was like if you're doing something, I interviewed you for a blog. On, of, yeah, yes. relying on user entered data. Manual data. It's as reliable <laughs> as, a, as a chocolate teapot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's the gumball analogy. Like, in a gum, let's say there were some like solid gold gumballs in the gumball machine. You can see it through the globe, right? How do you get those? Well, stick a quarter in, turn the dial, out comes a gumball. It's blue. It do- This doesn't work. Are you going to do that? No, you're going to be like, oh, let me enter another minute. No. Oh, it's white. Oh, okay. But I can see them, so I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. So I think so, so many times we just have, we're playing like a, like a short game and we're like, oh, this, I did it seven times and it didn't work, so it doesn't work. Yeah. Where there's commitment, there's a way, my friend. So that that's really some great insight into fractional work. I do want to move into RevOps, GTM. We'll get into some really, really detailed questions here, but just give us the, the basic Webster's Dictionary. People don't do that, but like the definition of, of RevOps and GTM for people. Yeah. Um, so how I look at RevOps is looking at the entire revenue engine and really... Being the caretaker, the superintendent of it as a whole system. And what I'm looking for is where's where's the biggest leak? Where's the gnarliest <laughs> outage, right? And, and really lasering in on what's the largest constraint, solving for that. And usually tech problems are, are a symptom of people process communication sort of stuff. So really getting to the bottom of that, like, okay, what's, oh, turns out marketing and sales don't trust each other. <laughs> Aha, sort of thing. Um, so, and then once that's, uh, I wouldn't say fixed, but like helped. Aligned or judged. Aligned. Judged. Yeah, like in iterating, like minimum viable, minimum viable iterated step back, look at the entire system, right? Oh, we're leaking over here. So let's swarm there. Yeah. So that's how I look at revenue operations is end-to-end and refactored around the customer journey, the buying buying experience, and really reducing friction and creating joy in that. So that that's that's a great explanation. First of all, I'm sure most of my listeners knew that, but if you didn't, now you do know. I think the other thing too, really, really to emphasize is there is marketing, there's sales, there's customer success, there's finance, but it's one organization and that data needs to translate to each other. It needs to inform each other. There can't be gaps in that. And RevOps is just a really crucial function, especially in the SaaS space, to prevent that revenue leakage, like you're saying, but also to not just be reactive, but to actually be able to have insights to scale. Yeah. And having the the wisdom to know, right? Like, let's say your drift bot is offline. Is that a fire drill? Well, only 2% of your leads come from Drift, so mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah. So with with revenue operations, with startups, 
You've worked with so many of them. Is there is there one issue that when you come in, you're like, this is the first thing we, we fix? Or is mm -hmm. everybody super different when you come in? There are definitely themes and patterns. Usually, the thing I encounter is people feeling shame that they haven't figured it out, right? Or like this feeling of like, I'm missing something or I'm not good enough. Like there's this like imposter shame around systems. There's this like shiny mirage of like source of truth and everyone needs to have this. It's like, mm, your systems are like laundry. There's cycles. You're always cleaning it up. It's never done. So it's like confronting the elephant in the room of you don't get there. Yeah. And nobody's there. And like I've I've yet to see a Salesforce org where they've got things figured out. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You, you hinted on this, but part of it is data. Part mm -hmm. of it is just intuition and mm -hmm. expertise and and telling that story. How do you balance that that need for data and that understanding of data with some of just that RevOps intuition? There's it's often a lot of pattern recognition that we're like unconsciously competent in. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little it's a little bit of like magic, right? Start asking questions and getting super curious and like having a hypothesis and then trying to prove yourself wrong, basically, and presenting findings. Every day I try to like surprise myself by something. I love being wrong. <laughs> nice. Oh, I love that. That's a good, oh, I, I try to surprise <laughs> yourself every day. That, that's yeah. a good advice. That's good life advice. Surprise yourself every day, people. Surprise yourself. Yeah. Keeps me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about the collagen before. <laughs> But I do mm. want to touch on RevOps Untapped because yes. that, that's new, super exciting, community of experts in the field. I'm just excited about it, but uh, I'll stop talking and let you, you explain it. So tell us about RevOps Untapped. Love the name. Yes. Yes. It's all about winning. And winning is a team sport. And so we're going to make sure when you're in RevOps Untapped that you've got a sounding board, you've got... Uh, hey, is this normal? You've got a place to go, right? So like if I, and again, like creating exactly what I would have salivated over when I was an accidental admin <laughs> trying to figure out like price books and stuff. Like, where do I go? Who do I ask? Like, do I actually need CPQ? And so this is really a place you can come and ask those questions, like stupid questions you might feel sheepish about putting on LinkedIn or something um, and get like robust decades of experience replies and thought leadership and templates because we've got, and we've got resources for everything. Right. Um, so asynchronous Slack all the time, we got you. And then some office hours, right? So let me keep a list of all the things that I actually want to talk live about, hop on, we can talk about them. And it's really meant for companies or go-to-market uh, uh, operators and leaders who really just want that check of, hey, is this, is this what I should be doing? To like double check that confidence, have the pushbacks, what am I missing here? And people who have set up 
<laughs> dozens and dozens of Salesforce orgs and HubSpot connections and, and typeform things, you can be like, oh, here's the pitfalls, here's the things, right? So it's a, it's a community, it's like crazy expertise. And listen, if a flow breaks down, we can, we can help you solve that too, right? So we're like super tactical, um, hands-on, but also it's like that hybrid. It's who you need. It's your right-hand man or right-hand gal. And going, um, back to in, instant, going back to instant gratification, you, you, you're offering mm-hmm. an on-demand yeah. service. How, how are you tapping into a pool of talent to do that? How are you offering on-demand services like we that? We will That's see. Insane. Lee, we will see. (laughs) So it's definitely like it's um it's like a PLG approach to services. Mm -hmm. Um, and it product like growth for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. So it's born out of my obsession with Alex Ramosi. If anyone else is a fan, um, so hundred million dollar offers, creating offers so good, people say feel stupid saying no, right? So like you get everything you could ever want for a thousand dollars a month, right? Like that's stupid. Like what? That doesn't like breaks people's brains. Right. Um, and then now we, I want to figure out how to deliver that. Right. So it's a many to one container. So we're having conversations in a shared Slack channel, right? It's not one-to-one it's one-to-many. And so if I'm a marketing operator and then someone else from a different company is, is like the finance slash founder sort of thing, asking questions. Oh, as a marketer, I'm now learning, oh, it's actually really important to know, like, to line up contract, start and end date when we're when we're marking things close one. Oh, yeah. Things that holistically start making sense, but you wouldn't have that insight about. Yeah. So like creating that community container where we're all for each other with the hosting um, bot hosted by, at the start, it's me and um, JP um, mm-hmm. from, uh, she was let go from Syncree and their last riff. Um, so yeah, we're going to figure it out. And so we're actually offering a limited offer for um, a handful of founding members. So a 30-day free trial of RevOps on tap. Um with the understanding Staff that love their trials. Yeah. Yeah. With the understanding that you're jumping in to and we're gonna we're gonna test and iterate with you. And so you're gonna give us the feedback, the good back, the ugly. Um, and like when, if and when we blow your mind, you're gonna tell your friends about it and you're you're gonna continue on with us, right? We wanna like set those expectations, like, but yeah. So we will see building it as we go. And I actually tested well, um, yesterday. Um, I put up, I spent $150 on a LinkedIn ad. Like RevOps on tap, 30-day trial, tons of clicks. I'm very new at like, I'm not very good at LinkedIn advertising. Well, I, um, I got you there. Like I, that's amazing. my bread and butter. Amazing. Yeah. I'll bring you in. Um, no takers yet. But like 200 website like click throughs. So there's something there. There's something there. And yeah. and live, you're watching us figure it out. 
which I love to do. So meta. Well, it's time for our next segment, Spill the Tea with Lee. Ooh. This is the segment. Yeah, this is the segment where we spill the tea on all things B2B. That's right. This is the sassiest podcast for B2B, and it's going to get juicy. So we talked about it a little bit before. I didn't go too much into it, but you started as a, a teacher. <laughs> Could you tell us, and I'm sure there are, what are some similarities between a chaotic classroom and a startup? Test of my classroom management was not the days that I was there. It was the days that I woke up with a swollen throat and step, strep throat and I could not come to school. Mm-hmm. Did not have, like, you always have sub plans. But no, like, specific, I'm going to be out this day. This is what we're doing. Da, 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 da. But, like, like, cold, no notice, actually absent. Like, what did my students do? And I kept on getting, not, not that I was out a lot, but, like, I got, I remember a substitute was, like, this was insane. The children came in. They did all the things. They put their things away. They opened up their journals. And then someone told me to play a playlist. On it was CDs back then, um, to and then so I did, and then a song came on, and everyone started putting things away. Like basically, they the children were telling the sub like what comes next, what here. Mm-hmm. So like my effectiveness is tested when I'm gone, and similarly the imp like how good we are at activate the magic is not how happy you are. Well, of course, we want to make you happy month to month. It's monthly, just a one month minimum, month to month. So we're on we're on the hook for delivering that value every month. But let's say I love being a bridge, right? From where you are, where you want to go and where you want to go is actually, as a company, I I don't want to build anything that you can't maintain internally. So it's really like you hired someone internally and fired us for all the best reasons, right? It's the the true test is how does it work once we're not there? Mm-hmm. Like really setting you up for that stability and like, yeah, sustainable growth. So I'll challenge that. That kind of almost sounds like there's a risking of you like working your own self out of a job that way. Mm-hmm. Or is that is that is that true or is it yeah. a different? Oh, okay. But here's the funny thing. When I work to put myself out of, the, of a job, the, the outcome is usually <laughs> clients won't leave. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Which is, so it's win-win. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the other thing with the RevOps is like, yeah, you, you solved it and you got this process working without you. But now there's another process that needs help, yeah. or this object's broken, or yeah. So like that's that's yeah. the part of consistent maintenance. So were there any tips and tricks from being a teacher that you would either use with your students to maybe incentivize or teach or anything like that, just to keep them in mind that you still either practice today or or use somehow? Maintaining that childlike wonder and authenticity. We're really just children in like adult bodies and bills. Yeah. <laughs> and like keeping that like wonder and curiosity and authenticity. Um, you know, the opposite 
of belonging is fitting in. Yeah. Right. And so I found success by keeping it a hundred being me and it it's, I'm not a perfect match for everyone. And that's, and that's great. Right. Like one of my clients yesterday was laughing. She, her IT guy forwarded her a podcast that I was on. I was saying SAS companies all taste like chicken. And she was laughing and the IT, IT guy was like, isn't that a little off? And she's like, just off enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So like being comfortable, being my authentic, like sometimes polarizing, magnetize, like magnetic. We love pol- polarizing here. We yeah. Love so like magnetic, You've so people me. are going to be drawn and people are going to be like repulsed. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. So I'd I say, do say that. like, yeah, I'd say in terms of teacher stuff, I see, I feel like you still have a, a very soothing teacher voice that <laughs> you, that maybe you've carried over. And I feel like you oh, just yeah. like, yeah, like you, you get on the call and you soothe the scenario through RevOps. <laughs> you know, from being my client. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's true too. Like keeping the container fun, right? I like to play music in Zoom. You can go to share screen, advanced audio, computer audio, and you can share music. So I like to kind of set the vibe of the container before people get there. Um, I like every, I like having an agenda. I like to start on time, end on time. When people feel like they know what's coming, they can like relax and contribute sort of thing. Yeah. So lots of things that I learned from being a kindergarten teacher are super applicable. And I think, um, side note, if you see someone applying to a job that you're hiring for and you see that they're a former teacher, just hire them, just hire it's them. It's like, like you knew my next question. <laughs> Well, so yeah. I want you to actually, I want you to, to explain that to people because some people, so there's tons of teachers now, like literally they get shit paid, pay, they're mm-hmm. overworked. Tons of teachers are transitioning to marketing, sales, PR, communication, anything. I doubt I have too many teachers listening to this podcast, but I definitely Yet. have SAS founders, hiring managers, leaders. Yeah. Tell them to give them a chance. Why should they give them a chance? Teachers have been left alone to their own devices to create a physical and academic structures with limited help and sometimes active thwarting from everything else in the environment. Um, And so it truly is like the definition of the weeds that grow in cracks and pavement. We're we're not orchids. We're not special sparkle. We're... We know how to, we can figure things out. Um, Give us a glue gun and some industrial strength Velcro. We can get it done. (laughs) Yeah, shifting gears a bit. I saw an idea I loved that you posted that tech is blind. If there was a a love is blind for tech. So first, I've never actually watched love is blind, but like Mm -hmm. I I get what it is. Um, I... Tell our viewers what what Love Is Blind is. Like summarize it. Oh, so it's like, it's like your it's a dating show. Like twenty five guys, twenty five gals are in a house, and but they're in separate like apartments, and they date through. They call them pods. So it's like these rooms where they can hear each other, but they can't see each other, and they like date and fall in love, 
And on the reveal, like, if it's a match, like, the guy proposes to the gal. And then the second part of the show is, like, kind of like 90 Day Fiance situation. (laughs) So he has to either marry her or break up with her. Those are the two choices. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, if there's tea around the whole thing. Well, I imagine. I imagine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So much tea. (laughs) <laughs> so would like the would the tech be like like VCs and like you choose if you fund them at the end like what what would the, yeah, what yeah. Would the tech is blind be? Yeah, yeah 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 so yeah I'm thinking VCs and like the founders they're able to like connect and speak and really see if they resonate but they can't see <laughs> mm-hmm. the slide decks you know <laughs> yeah the patagonia um, or, so, uh, or some of the some of the data is missing and they can't see it all and yeah, yeah you could actually tell a story and like enroll in why this crazy idea is worth a shot i can be the host of it i'm very available to so. yeah let's go yeah but i don't i don't watch i don't watch too many like reality or dating shows like i used to watch like the really trashy ones from years ago like when they're on like flavor of love rock rock tequila tequila did you watch any of those like i don't watch any other ones now though i've i liked uh catching kelsey travis kelsey had had his okay reality dating show a couple years back okay it's good okay <laughs> <laughs> well back to some some rev op stuff i'm gonna set you off um and i want your take on it so i know Many RevOps people, particularly in Salesforce, passionately hate multi-select pick lists. If you have something mean to say, put it in a dropdown. <laughs> Why? Why? Why are multi-select pick lists evil for Salesforce? It comes down to structured versus unstructured data. So. And why your RevOps people are obsessed with radio buttons and like pick lists instead of open text fields and the like. I'm sure you can get that vibe from your Salesforce admin or <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's because if it's not in that structured data, we can't do things with it, at least not easily. So the multi-select pick list, the way that the data is then like on the other end, it's really hard to work with. So like literally I would have to like, so let's say it's a multi-select pick list, but then you want to create a report or like set up automation if it's one of these two options. Like there might be advances now, but I remember having to like literally like pull the records, then query if like the string, if the string, cause it comes out as a string. So just like a text okay. string. Yeah. So, so it, you have to like, but like, so yeah, I have, I have the HubSpot background and knowledge. So mm. I've often used those pick lists to make sure that my team members don't, or clients don't put in different options each time. So like yeah. they don't say lawyer one time, legal attorney, uh, mm-hmm. So I've done it that way. How do you prevent if you're if you're not doing pick list, how do you prevent some of that that just wonkiness? Well, pick lists are great. It's just the multi-select uh-huh. pick list that we don't like. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well obviously, but like um 
Yeah, so how do you do it when it's multiple? Like, what is the right way to do? Separate fields? It depends on the situation. Yeah, sometimes you just got to do it. Um, but here's the thing, like, usually it's like the VP of sales who's like, you know, multi-select pick list. And I, here's the pushback that I offer. It's like, it's great for, like, you can see it, they can select it. But a lot of times you'll be like, oh, just run automation off of it. We won't be able to do that. So just be su yeah. being super clear about the limitations of if you're going to have your reps actually enter this information, don't you want to like do stuff with it? So Right. Otherwise, yeah. why is it there? And they're so awkward to use in Salesforce too. They like expand and then they're in and then like, and then half the people are like, oh no, you have to like select it then push over. It's the whole thing. <laughs> PSA people don't use them here. Yeah. <laughs> So one one thing I want to get your your key on, the full unfiltered take, too many people equate or treat Salesforce admins and RevOps as the same thing. They'll treat, mm. they'll, they'll either yeah. want the, they'll set up the admin to fail, expecting them to be RevOps or vice versa. It's more admin than ops. What do you, what do you mm. say to that? Yeah. So like for me, I was a Salesforce admin and was RevOps, right? So, and for a lot of us accidental admins, that, that was absolutely accurate. Um, and that's one thing when you're like under 100 employees. Once you start really growing, you're over that like five or six million revenue mark, things start becoming a lot more intricate um, in where it starts to make sense to to have someone focused on the details, whether it's outsourced, um, like a consultant or fractional like us, um, or, or hiring to have that mm -hmm. IT person. I think, I think it's just really important as startup leaders, um, we're cognizant of what we're asking, what's needed, what will make the difference and what's actually needed, what will actually make the difference? Is it adding a pick list over here or is it actually getting to the bottom of our ICP? Right. Yeah. And and a lot of times people end up end up as a Salesforce admin because we're very service oriented, contribution oriented, want to make people happy, want to solve things. Like and just know that it's really hard for us to say no. So if we're saying no, like there's probably a reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and to yeah. clarify admins make usually make great ops it's very natural mm. to me it's the intention behind the yeah. role and yeah. where you not not just sit them in the organization but what their goals and responsibilities are because an admin needs to be super super technical RevOps does too, but RevOps also needs to be with customer data with marketing data with sales data and if you're a salesforce admin it's it's hard to have that time to do all that other stuff because you're, yeah. you're buried in in Salesforce. Yeah, yeah. I think this is it's just a huge thing. It's like how do we quantify what it is that we do and what's actually needed, and um, and I think we in general we respect devs, right? Engineers, devs. Oh, their heads down. They're working on things. Well. 
a lot of times like the Salesforce admin, extremely technical, like detailed things that we got to do. And so like giving, I think time blocking and understanding capacity and the mental load of context switching, going from ICP identification, board deck slide planning versus like flows versus integrations. Like every time, like if you're the person doing that, um, being present to the mental load that it is not as an excuse, but like set yourself up to win, like maybe block off Wednesdays for all your technical work, right? Like be proactive, set yourself up to win and time block and be responsible, be responsible with yourself. Well, Jackie, this episode was full of great advice, analogies. <laughs> we talked about RevOps Untapped. But where can people find you? How can people contact you? Uh, and yeah, anything yeah. else you want to call out before we wrap today? Thank you. Yeah. Monthly, the Cauldron Networking. The next one is Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, ActivateTheMagic.com. Click on Community. You can have the a schedule there. Um, and once you, once you register, you'll be added to the series of invites. So set it and forget it, but then come join us and have fun. Um, yeah. And if you're thinking that your company could use like decades of experience on tap, or let's say you're actually like, oh, we could really use some fractional revenue operations leadership, then happy to meet. I'll book a coffee chat. Um, you can either do that on the website or on LinkedIn. I'm super friendly. So yeah, and definitely there? hit follow because uh, not only is there great advice for people who are in ops or super in the weeds of Salesforce, but there's some a lot of funny content there. Um, <laughs> hit follow on Jackie. And with you that, won't regret this, it. <laughs> You'll you be glad you did. Regret it. Yeah, you'll be glad you did. Plus, Jackie might comment something <laughs> funny on there. But I'm wild. I'm you. wild on LinkedIn, so. <laughs> Jackie, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you all for listening. I will see everybody for another episode of B2B next time. Bye.